Good morning. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Sunday morning. We are here today at the Zion Church of Curtin Chapel, and we are here to share a morning of praise, of prayer, of study of God's Word. But before we do so, we should come together, wherever you may be this morning, to sing words to this glorious hymn that all of us know. If you need the lyrics, they're posted on the on the Facebook live stream. We're going to begin by singing the words to holy, 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 and then we're going to go into the heart of worship. Please sing wherever you are this morning. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, and let's make this a prayer to Him.
This is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. So this week, on Wednesday, always on April 22nd, we had Earth Day. So in March of 1970, some really wise congressmen decided that we should establish an Earth Day. Well, duh. God established Earth Day a long time ago. In fact, when he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he told them it was theirs and they should take care of it. So, you know, it's not political. It's something God has told us to do. So, whether you plant flowers, Arbor Day always follows the Friday after Earth Day. So, whether you plant flowers or you plant a tree or you just do your part to not litter, it's our responsibility, according to God's word, to take care of our earth. And there are lots and lots of Bible verses that tell you about that. I'll give you a few, and then you can look them up at home. Back in Genesis, which means the beginning, in chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. Yep, from the beginning. In Revelation 4.11, that's the very end of your Bible, it says you are worthy, our Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they are created and have their being. In Proverbs, which is right by Psalms, you'll find it there, chapter 12, verse 10, it says the righteous care for the needs of their animals. So, baby chickens, your cats, your horses, your puppy dogs, your kitty cats. Take care of all those because God told us that was our duty while we were here on earth. So I want you to look at your God sightings this week. If you want to post them on Facebook, post a picture and show everybody your God, God sightings. Whether it's a pretty flower, like I said, or a big old fish you caught, that's, that's exciting. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this occasion to think about your creation and our duty to be good stewards of these gifts. Help us know that each of us has a job in caring for the earth by the choices we make and the actions we take. Give us good judgment to choose, to act with care, to show our love for you and your love of this good earth, our home. Thank you, Lord, for our earth and your creation. Amen. Good morning, and uh, it is good to be here this morning. We're grateful to have the opportunity to uh, use uh, this medium to uh, worship and worship together, and even though we're not assembling together, at this point it is a blessing to be able to uh, share God's word, bring him honor, bring him glory, and uh, sing praises to him, and uh, just learn and have fellowship uh, in a different way, be strengthened, uh, just because we can, and we're grateful that we can worship him. Uh, Paul Jenkins, one of our elders, is going to read scripture, share some thoughts as we move to study, and uh, have an opening prayer for us as well. Again, it's good uh, that we can have this time together this morning. Thank you, Pastor Aldrich, and uh, 
blessed morning to the church and a glorious morning. I want to look just briefly at two passages of scripture for us to comprehend uh, some of the great promises that we find in in the truth of God's word, the Bible. And one is in Matthew 16 where Christ says that he is going to build his church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And then he says uh, to Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you that the church will be built by me and that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. But flesh flesh and blood did not reveal it to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, Peter, that you are Peter and upon me and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed. And so with these glorious words, we find that the church is going to be built, and that it is going to be built on Christ the foundation, the cornerstone, the rock. And Peter is the builder. And the reality that comes full-blown to us in uh, Acts chapter 1 and 2, when we see the church come together and become established through the apostolic authority that was given. And then the church burgeons and it continues to grow as it is today. And Christ is still building his church. And so when we come to the church itself, we have no better example of what is reflected upon in the church than in the book of Revelation. It was a letter sent to seven churches that existed at that period of time. And that could be so applicable to us today amidst the circumstances that prevail in this world. And uh, these words come from Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church that is in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot endure evil men and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and yet they are not and they have been found to be false and you have persevered and have endured for my name's sake and you have not grown weary to the point of abandonment but I have this against you I have this against you, that you left your first love. So remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you, and will remove your lampstand from your place, unless you repent. Three things there. Basic common aspect is that we have fallen from our first love. And perhaps that's reflected upon the complacency that the church has today in their worship, in their glorifying God, in their daily life, so caught up in all the other things that Christ said he will build his church. And upon building that, there's times that we have to go through those things that he brings about in order to shake us from the doldrums of complacency and replacing that heart's 
full of gratitude and thanksgiving that we are a part of the church. So he says, remember from where you have fallen. Remember from where you were. Remember what you were before you became what you are now in Christ Jesus. A new creation, a new desire, a new glory found in him and him alone. And repent. And if you notice in that text, repent is used two times. Repent, repent. It is not a single thing that we do when we first come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ through the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. It is an ongoing process of a contrite heart, remorse over sin and asking for God's forgiveness. And do the deeds you did at first. If you love me, you'll love one another. And by this you will show the world that you love me because you love one another. That is his church, the church of Jesus Christ and the promise of building it until he returns. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this precious gift of Jesus Christ, your son, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit working in us. And Lord, that your church universal, both seen and unseen, will be a church of repentance, a church of glorifying God by remembering our first deeds and continuing on in them. Lord, we just praise you that we can and understand and know through the power of the Holy Spirit that your church will be built and that as a part of it, Lord, we desire to bring glory to your name in the building of it and each and every one of us individually and the church universal. To the praise of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior's glory. Amen. Let me just begin by saying, uh, yesterday we had the opportunity to uh, serve this community and uh, family uh, that, that is a part of this church, the church community. Billy Joe Cross passed away, and uh, we were able to uh, really honor God and serve the family um, with a service for her. It was a blessing, and uh, just to reach out and cry out, it was a lot of mourning. Billy Joe was only 47 years old, and she had been fighting cancer for 12 years. Um, she lost that battle, but she, uh, she had been an inspiration to just about everybody that knew her. And um, I was so pleased that we could, uh, we could honor God and give the family uh, a measure of comfort. And uh, so just those of you who knew her or know the family, Joe Goodrum, Brooke Seymour, uh, all of them, uh, just have them in your prayers, please. Uh, it is good to have the opportunity to, uh, to worship, regardless uh, what the circumstances are. Uh, and so, Mark, I have a question for you. Mm. Uh, why don't ants get sick? I don't know, Aubrey. Why don't ants get sick? I get the feeling, Mark, that you're not really, you know, <laughs> excited about this. So, uh, but I'm going to tell you why. Ants don't get sick because they have little antibodies. <laughs> you laugh. Amen. You laugh. Oh, forgive me, Lord. It is good to be here. I want to shout out to my sister uh, in Fredericksburg, Texas, Robin and John. 
and uh, got some family members uh, listening to us this morning, and that was awfully, uh, there's an awful lot of love there between us. So I, I would ask this morning, turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 15. Uh, in fact, I had this discussion twice this week, one of them uh, was with my sister about a statement that uh, if you read the Gospels, you'll see uh, Christ at the crucifixion. Uh, those statements that he makes, this is one of them in particular, this statement probably, uh, other than when he cries out God uh, to his father, he says, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Uh, thank God for that statement. Uh, this is probably the one that has had the most scrutiny, um, and it was interesting, I don't believe in coincidence, how during the course of the last week, I actually had uh, two different opportunities for somebody who come to me and ask me to clarify uh, this statement. I remember many, many, many years ago when I read this for the first time too, not having studied it, not really knowing, uh, it really, uh, there was a sense of confusion for me. And I know there has been for many people over the years. Uh, so when you go uh, to the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, uh, I'm going to begin reading in verse 33. Verse 33, 15th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, and Mark writes, And when the sixth hour had come, darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. This is Christ uh, on the cross, crucified, being crucified. And the ninth hour, and at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. Now, let's see this. I'm going to reflect back on that in just a moment. Uh, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And when some of the bystanders heard it, they began saying, behold, he is calling for Elijah. It's a whole lot uh, more that I could read before and after this in this context. I want to focus on that statement, though, um, we're translating as he cries out in the Hebrew, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, as, as we look at that passage and we'll get some insight into it, I want you to go to the 22nd Psalm. The 22nd Psalm. Because I do, I remember uh, I had the advantage of having some great mentors in my life. And I remember many years ago reading that and being able to go to the preacher and say, hey, what's going on there? I mean... I thought, you know, he'd never sinned and he was, you know, obviously the son of God and had faith and, uh, and, and to have this explained to me and then years later going through the process of education um, in the College of Biblical Studies, I was able to really see this, the meaning of this magnified and this is where the encouragement comes. Um, and so if you go to the 22nd Psalm, it's a Psalm of David and David was a king of Israel uh, some thousand years uh, before Christ was born. And he writes this psalm, and the 22nd psalm begins like this, with this statement, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So the first thing that I want to share with you is that if you look at the Gospels, Matthew and Mark, they both have the account, the statement, that moment on the cross uh, where Christ cries out. Uh, and it says in both accounts, he cried out in a loud voice. If you look at the original language there, it literally means, 
Now, you, this, is the, this is the picture that we all need to find some encouragement from. It literally means he sang out. He literally sang out in a loud voice. In his suffering, his dying, he's singing out. And what he's doing, we had at this funeral yesterday um, a young lady. Uh, she's about my age. I say young lady, but that's young. Um, uh, Patty Tucker sang a rendition uh, a cappella of uh, Amazing Grace. And uh, as many times as I hear that song, I'm always inspired by it. Uh, but her singing of that, there was such a crisp and uh, a strength uh, and clarity from her voice, her heart, and I'm sure the setting had a lot to do with that, but God was honored. And, but I think most people, uh, I wouldn't know the percentage, but I would confidently say many people are familiar with that song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, You're Saved the Rest, Like Me, and you know the words. In fact, uh, at one point, as she was singing out, uh, she just very uh, smoothly asked the congregation to follow. And with no hymn, uh, people knew the words. And, and it just reverberated. It, listen, it just, it just it had a, I'm having a hard time um, communicating to you the reverber, reverberation of that. It, it was powerful. So it's a hymn that we know. So I want you to back up 2,000 years ago. Christ on the cross. He cries out. He's singing out in his suffering with this loud voice. The very first stanza of the song, the spiritual song, the hymn that had been written over 1,000 years before this moment. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The reason I said the amazing grace in this if you were to back up 2,000 years ago, uh, if there was a song that was the amazing grace of the Jewish people, it was this song. So we read that today and we think, okay, uh, just like I did, was his faith lacking? I mean, did God really forsake him? And what Jesus Christ was doing in his dying moment was singing the amazing grace of the day, the song that they were familiar with. And uh, his whole life, if you read the Gospels, he said, I, if, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, if you've seen him to those doubters 2,000 years ago, and the same rings true today, if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. You've seen him. Um, and he would say, I came to do my Father's will. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I've come to do my Father's will. And then he would say, my father's will is to seek and save that which is lost. That's who our Savior is. And even in his dying, suffering moment, he was clarifying that. In the great suffering, in the great agony, in the abuse, in the scoffing, in the ridicule, he was crying out. Trying, everything that was coming out of him, the blood spilling out, the breath is leaving him the agony, the pain had to have been excruciating and he's still reaching out to a lost, mocking, abusive, dark, scoffing world. The very people that uh, less than a week before had, had been praising him, literally he's coming in and he, they're saying, Hosanna, praise him. And to the very highest, now they're mocking him. Many of the same people had to be there. 
And they're saying, and they would have been crucify him, crucify him. And what does he do? In his dying moments, he sings a hymn. Mark, I don't know, because, uh, and I mean this, I, I, I don't know much about music at all. But I would, I would imagine, I would just try to imagine you know, what that, that hymn would, would have, you know, put to music, how it would have sounded. Because the words are just, I mean, we're going to read them, but I, I wish somebody, and there may be out there, but I wish somebody would put this song to music. I, I do, because of the significance of it, the, uh, just the statements that are made in the song. But he's singing out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And Continuing on in verse 1. Far, far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but thou dost not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. I, I read the words and uh, I know... I know for myself personally, and I'm sure each of you can identify this, there has to have been a moment in your time. I, as I said, the young lady we did the service for, she fought cancer for 12 years. And uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to have cancer to cry out to God, but I am sure that if you've been alive for any period of time, you can reflect on a moment. You've got something, the drug addict, the alcoholic, uh, the marriage that's falling apart, financial distress, you could just go on and on, any number of disease, uh, malady, where you have cried out, and you have cried out, and you have cried out, for years, maybe, and you just don't think that God is hearing you, you don't think that God is answering you, you believe in God, and then you, there's a heyday, there's this spiritual warfare, and you begin to think, well, well, I'm crying out to God, and I'm crying out to God, and I'm crying out to God, and I don't have any relief. And I feel forsaken. And what is happening here? And then you go through the whole process. I know I do. Well, maybe I'm not worthy. Maybe God really has turned his back. So we have that doubt from spiritual warfare. where We're, we, we're overwhelmed. And there's this sense that, is there ever going to be any relief? And the one area where I think I can get relief with God Almighty, he doesn't seem to be present. And I know that uh, myself personally, I have been there. And I, I would just imagine if you have any age in you or any experience, you have felt that same thing. David would write it. But then he says in verse 3, yet, yet, thou art holy. I, I believe that in every spiritual, physical, emotional, intellectual struggle that we're enduring. As we're struggling and my mind is upset, my thinking is out of control and my emotions are then running amok and my body is under strain and my spirit is weak, I think the thing that what happens is that as we continue to cry out in our faith and as we continue to lean on God, we come to a conclusion and it's the conclusion that, that literally is the evidence of God and that is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's happening. He's holy. He is holy. I'm not. I'm not. As much as I love my friends and my family, they're not. As 
much as I would like to rely on humanity, we are not. But he is. And so irregardless of what's happening to me, and irregardless of the things that are going on in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit, I know he's holy. And we just say, I don't believe in coincidence. He's holy. 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 So, yet yeah, thou art holy. O thou who art enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Church. He's enthroned. He's on the throne. He hasn't given up that authority. Nor will he ever. Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. To thee they cried out. No, verse 4. In thee our fathers trusted. They trusted. They trusted. And thou didst deliver them. When we understand he's holy, we know deliverance is coming. When we, not, we understand he's holy, deliverance is coming. I always, always, my mind reflects back, and this is just my thinking. If you know the story of Joseph, 13 years. 13 years he spent in an Egyptian prison. And I have to believe many times. And all he did was those things that were right. He honored God no matter what his circumstances were. But you cannot, I could not be convinced that there wasn't this great outcrying in his life. And he's thinking, what is this? This is not the vision. This is not what I believed was going to happen to me. This isn't how I think, thought my life would turn out. But he never, I know he had to have. He lived under the understanding. But you know what? I serve a holy God. He's holy. I'm not, but he is. And because of that, I can trust him and deliverance will come. And I don't know the time of the day or the hour, but it's going to come. They trusted and thou didst deliver them. And uh, verse 5, to thee they cried out and were delivered. In thee they trusted and were not disappointed. I want to say a lot more, but I want you, if you're ever going through those Gospels, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, and you get back to Matthew and Mark and you see Jesus singing out on the cross, I want you to just have this picture in your mind. Scripture, Matthew intended. When Matthew and Mark wrote their Gospels, they intended for the readers of the day, and then I don't know if they could have thought that it would be centuries, millennia later, where people would read. You and I, their intention for them and those people and their, then their intention for us was that you would look back on this moment on the cross and you could see a great suffering. The servant, the servant of God, the son of God in, in, in being crushed. The scripture, crushed for our iniquity that you could look back and you could say, man, it's okay. Our God is holy. If you've not seen holiness, there it is, right here on the cross. If you read the rest of that gospel, you're going to see at that moment when he gave up his spirit, the Roman centurion, the centurion that nailed him to the cross. Let me tell you something, brother. He saw holiness because out of, out of a, a, a cruel and dark nail hammer in hand, a, a warrior, a centurion could say, surely this man was the son of God. He saw holiness. was what the writer intended for you and I to understand that we have a Savior in his dying, cruel dying moment 
would look out and see the amazing grace of the day so that people knew in our darkest hour, in our darkest moment, we could trust. We could trust. Deliverance is coming. God is holy. I don't know where you're at in your life right now. I just don't know. I, I, I want to continue. I'm not going to. Um, but I will finish here. I don't know where you're at in your life right now. I think we all share something in common. We, uh, we struggle with our fears and we struggle with our weaknesses. And um, in a dark and broken, diseased world, we're sometimes very confused. And in our weakness and in our shame, in um, our hurt and our pain, we cry. his word and his word from the cross was a song it was a song you need to read the whole 22nd song because it ends with deliverance it starts with desperation it makes doctrinal statements about the holiness of God and the deliverance of his people but it ends in great praise security that's the story of God and his people it should be the story of you and I and our God. Our God that is holy and he does deliver us. We need it today. We've always needed it. I don't think there's ever been a time in any of our lives that we didn't need trust in the holiness and the deliverance of God. All you have to do is look to the cross. The suffering Savior crying out in song Indeed, they trusted and were not disappointed. If, if you and I could live with one slogan in our life, and no matter what's happening in our life, and we could just repeat in our brains, in our spirit, in our heart, indeed, in God, I'm going to trust and I'm not going to be disappointed. No matter what's happening in my life, indeed. In thee I trust, and I'll not be disappointed because of a Savior who could cry out on a cross. Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, we love you, and we're just so grateful to be called your children. We're thankful that we can trust in your holiness. We're thankful that we can trust and know and be sure of your deliverance. No matter the time or the distance, that we can trust in your holiness and your deliverance. And we give you praise and honor for our Savior and your Son who would sing in his death the song, the holy song, the holy song of deliverance. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to have, uh, I'm going to ask, uh, we've got, uh, Mark's going to do a, ben, uh, a hymn and a benediction. Uh,
before he does that very quickly, I might ask Jeff Klotz, would you come up and also lead us in prayer, if you mind? And Mark will have us uh, a benediction, uh, a hymn of benediction. Uh, let me just say again, uh, we're just so grateful that we can do this in this medium. Uh, for those of you, uh, Don Beasy and I, Wednesday nights, got to put a plug. At 6.30, we do our Zion Youth Ministry Facebook Live, and we've been having a lot of fun with that. That's been a great joy. We had some audio and technical difficulties this last Wednesday, but we worked them out. Allison, thank you. Jackson, thank you for all the work that you do in helping us do this. So, again, Jeff, leave us in prayer. Mark will have our final hymn and benediction. Praise you, God, and thank you. Uh, let us pray. Our Father God, Lord, we thank you for this day and the beauty of this day and the opportunity to come to your house. Lord, we thank you for this message. Lord, we pray that as we uh, leave your house and, and go about into the world the next week and we try to reopen the world and uh, restart our lives and our businesses and our, and our callings and vocations, Lord, we pray that you would bless us, that, Lord, you would uh, open doors us and that you would protect us and that you would continue to, to minimize and mitigate the situation that we're in. Lord, again, we uh, thank you for your grace and mercy. We pray you will be with us in all that we do. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our salvation. Amen. Amen. of distress and relief, my soul has often found relief, and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. As we close this morning's service, wherever you are this morning, please sing these words with me, sweet hour of prayer.
come before you this morning in this sweet hour of prayer. We do ask a blessing upon the members of our congregation this morning in their respective homes, wherever they may be, Lord. Watch over them, keep them safe until we can come together and meet face to face once again. We do pray for our, our community and our country, Lord, as we heal from these times. Lord, that through this all, that we will turn our eyes upon Jesus and rely upon you for our each and every need. We ask all these things in your Son's holy name. Amen. Have a wonderful week.